Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? This is, this is exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. Um, it is truly an honor to be up here to uh, give the message that God has uh, called on me to give. Um, this is really a wild experience, let me tell you. I was here in the very beginning when Living Church started. Um, watched my dad preach for who knows how many years. Um, so that's not nerve-wracking at all, right? No, not at all? Um, just me? Okay, good. Um, so, guys, I, that was awesome. Um, that, just such a powerful message. Uh, just a great reminder, especially too, about what we're talking about today, which is worshiping in our everyday lives. Just knowing where we're standing and where we're standing with Jesus and being able to be free in that so that we can worship is just, it's awesome. Uh, such a great reminder and encourager, at least for me. Um, so I kind of want to open this up with a story um, that I probably would rather not. Uh, it's but me in the fifth grade, which can only be so great. Um, <laughs> I guess it takes place in the fourth grade, really. So uh, my elementary school, fifth grade was when they, uh, you're allowed to be in band. That was like the, the year of, I guess, when they thought that you were somewhat good enough to try. Um, and so in the fourth grade, at the end of the fourth grade, they had the band teacher come into my music class and be like, all right, guys. Like, basically give us the spiel of why we should be in band. Um, and I was like, all right, I want to be in band. That'd be so cool, right? And I didn't know what I wanted to play. And none of, none of the other kids did. But they had a, uh, they would take you, one, uh, this is kind of weird now that I think about it. They would take a kid individually and put him in, like, a small room with, like, a bunch of little, like, mouthpieces of instruments. And, like, I guess you were chosen by the one that you sounded the best with. Um, and so when, when I got in there, there's, like, a bunch of different ones. And I picked up the, the trumpet mouthpiece, and I blew into it. I don't know if any sound came out, but the band teacher said it sounded great. I think he's paid to say that, now that I think about it. I think he's paid to say that. Uh, so I wanted to be a trumpet player. Um, so going into my fifth grade year that summer, I was super excited. I got the trumpet. I got the little lesson book. I was prepared and ready to become, like, this really awesome trumpet player. I don't know if you noticed about me now. I don't play trumpet anymore. So clearly something went wrong along the way. Um, <laughs> and so a couple weeks into the fifth grade with, with band, I realized that I had to actually practice. I don't know why I didn't realize that before. Uh, I had to practice and put time in if I wanted to get better. And fifth grade Luke was not a fan of that. He really did not want to put any extra time into this. And thus, I didn't practice, and thus, I was really bad. Um, so bad, in fact, that there was the band concert we did, I just straight up didn't play. I just pretended like I did. I don't know if my parents know this. I did not, I wasn't, that. Oh, I never played. I never blew into the instrument, so it was great. Um, I say all this to say that, that um, I had, I lacked two major things when I didn't practice, all right? I lacked discipline uh, of practicing, and I lacked, obviously, skill, um, pretty obviously. And obviously after that year, I did, not, I did not want to play trumpet anymore, so I stopped. And to kind of like transition this into what we're going to talk about today, um, I think our daily Christian walk can be like this. I think that as uh, Christians early on, we get really, really, really excited. We get like the spiritual high. Um, I don't know if y'all have been to camp. Ever, anyone been to camp? Camp? Y'all done camp? There's like a camp high. When you're like, you're going back like, listen, God, my whole life is dedicated to you. And then that, like, feeling goes away within, like, five minutes of being home and, like, getting in your bed. Um, so I feel like it can be like that. I think when we first become believers, I think there's this really big excitement. And I think as time goes on, <clears throat> I think we kind of lose that excitement. And I think that's normal. Um, but I just think that, that we lose motivation, and it kind of becomes harder to put work in to grow it uh, with our walk with God. 
And so this morning, I kind of want to talk about what worshiping looks like in our everyday lives, not just in, uh, you know, a church setting, not just when we're surrounded by a group of people with a guitar, uh, but just what that looks like living, living this out, what it looks like to, to grow and worship in our everyday lives as Christians. So I want to start us off with a question. So when are we supposed to be worshiping? I want to quickly turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, if you would, uh, whether your Bible app on your phone or in your actual Bible. Um, I'm using the Bible app, so if that makes you feel any better. Um, all right. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 10.31. Um, and I, I kind of want to point out the fact that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth when he's saying this. And I think it can be, be really easy to... I don't know. It's, it's expected of Christians to worship. You know, like it's something that we're expected to do, and thus I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, and, but I want to hit on the fact that the Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. I mean, the church in Corinth was struggling, but, but they, they, they needed to hear these things. And, and so this is something that they were expected to do. All right, so 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So to answer the question, when are we supposed to be worshiping? It's supposed to be whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, do all to the glory of God. So it's in everything that we do. It's not just in a, in a church setting. It's not just uh, when we're surrounded by a group of people. It's not just when we're feeling it. It's whatever we're doing. Um, and that, I mean, that literally can be anything. Um, and so the next question I want to ask is, okay, so what does worshiping actually look like in everyday lives? Because I think it can be so easy. Like, easy, just worship all the time. Just do it. It's like, but how? <laughs> all right, so the, they're going to go to Colossians 3, 14 through 17. And again, this is Paul writing to a group of believers, and this was something, worship is expected, right? This is something that we're, as Christians, expected to do. We're supposed to worship God. And um, the fact that Paul is writing this to another church shows that this is something that we need to be reminded of constantly. Like, this is not just something that we should hear and uh, be like, okay, we got it. Like, this is something that we need to be working on uh, day in and day out. So Colossians three fourteen through 17 says... Uh, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to, in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the same of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, we see in verse 17, it says, whatever you're doing, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So kind of reiterating that point that it's not just uh, in, in when we're worshiping with a band. It's in our everyday lives and everything that we're doing. It's all supposed to be worship. Um, and so I kind of want to point out a couple things here in, in this passage. So the first is it talks about letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So I think a part of worshiping is letting the peace of Christ rule in us, letting God rule our lives, let God be the priority of our lives. Um, and, and really having a trust, knowing that, that whatever happens, God's in control. Um, I think for me, it's really easy to always be focused on the future. And something we talked about uh, last time we all met as a gathering was um, worshiping God when, when we are unsure of the future. And that really hit me hard because there are so many times when I, I get so worked up and nervous and anxious about what the future holds, what, what it's going to look like for me in five years. And I just don't sit and worship, like, God, thank you for what you've already given me. And I think that is so important. Um, the next who talks about thankfulness. You hear it in, um, in verse 15. says, and be thankful. Verse 16, it says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, singing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then in 17, it says, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I think this is something that we hit really well as a uh, worship culture. I think giving thanks to God is 
uh, as like in a worship song, as I think that is a pretty common theme. Um, but I think, again, if we're worshiping in everyday lives, like this thankfulness shouldn't just be expressed through these worship songs. It shouldn't just be uh, when we're singing at church or, or whatever. It should just be in our everyday lives. We, we should be thankful, like always, like having a heart of thankfulness. Um, and that can be hard. I think that you hear all the time, like, count your blessings. Guys, I'm going to tell you, you should probably count your blessings at some point. Like, it's, it's important. I, I know that there are times when I don't count my blessings, and I am so like, God, why can't I have this little thing? And God's like, but look at what I've already given you. And I'm like, I'm not focused on that. And again, like, I think this all comes down to having a priority of, um, of worshiping God and letting God be the, the rule of our lives and centering our lives around Christ and not uh, having Christ be centered around our lives. Because I think, like, as Christians, that can be so easy to do. And just even in seasons, maybe not just, you know, every day, but just, like, having seasons of, of times when, like, God, like, I am totally just using my life as a center and trying to put you around it. Like, God, I need to put you at the center of my life so that I can worship you, so that I can be thankful. And I think a lot of that goes into being thankful for what he's given you. Um, I know that, that for me, it's always been a struggle to to really like stop and be thankful for what I have but I, I need to do that I think we all need to do that um, and and I think that it's it's truly of God <laughs> when we do that I think it just brings us closer to him it, it's showing like God like I know that I could not have these things without you and again it just putting him at the top of our of our priorities um, and then the last thing that I really want to hit hard is it talks about in uh, in verse 16 it says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. So what's, what's the message of Christ? I would, that's the Bible. Um, and more importantly, it's about the gospel. Um, but it's, it's the Bible. It's scripture. It's something that we need to be, be studying. And it says it's not just to, to read it. It's just to dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. I struggled with getting into a consistent reading schedule for a really, really long time. Um, and now that I am in a consistent reading schedule, I can say that my life after I've been reading consistently is, is really, it's so different. Um, I think just the, the heart and mind of, okay, I'm setting aside time for God because he's a priority. I know we need to do that. And that means sacrificing things, like maybe not you know, playing Fortnite for as long or, uh, like, whatever. Like, whatever it is. Like, it's sacrificing things so that I can can focus on my walk with God. Like, that immediately is putting my mind and my heart towards God. It's, it's putting him at, as at the forefront of my life. And, art, like, even just, like, obviously reading's the most important, but just, like, the the action of of prioritizing reading and consistently reading is is also important to your heart as well. And and so I, I kind of want to relate this to, to studying I don't know how long it's been since you all have been school for some of you. I don't know, so I'm sorry. I, did you guys have study guides? Did everyone have, is that a thing? I don't know. Some people may have stone tablets. I don't know. So, like, I, don't, I just don't know. So study guides, I'm assuming we all know what a study guide is. It's a guide that helps you study. If not, um, there you go. Uh, and so I like to relate scripture to the study guide, and then life will be the test, and worship can also be the test. And so we need, God has given us a study guide and to help us study so that when we go to the test of life, we can be prepared, we can be ready. And so when it comes to worship as the test, when we learn about God and who he is in the Bible, it also helps us to understand truly who we are worshiping. 
And it thus leads us to not just saying words, but also meaning them too. Uh, and I also want to kind of, you know, go on a little tangent here. Um, with worship songs that don't talk about the God of the Bible, because I think that also is a problem. And I really want to get, like, hats off to all the worship leaders here, because I know that they do a, a really great job of picking songs that do talk about the God of the Bible, because if we're not worshiping the God of the Bible, we're worshiping a false God. Um, and that's pretty, that's uh, not good. <laughs> that is not good. And, and so I know with Grant, uh, he has been super, very careful, has a very intense process for, like, when picking new songs, like, okay, like, is this talking about the God? Is this biblically accurate? I know he's gone to my dad a couple of times, gone to me, like making sure that this song is, is actually preaching about the God of the Bible. Um, and so, so I just really want to encourage you guys to, to be careful and, and be listening in, uh, for, for songs that maybe don't preach about that and, and, and talk about that. Um, and so back to the studying analogy, all right? So the study guide is supposed to keep us focused on the content you're studying. It's kind of supposed to, to narrow in I guess, like, for a semester, if you've talked about uh, certain things, it's supposed to narrow in uh, all that content so that you can kind of study a list so that when you go to the test, it's, like, a little more condensed or not, depending on... I had a, a teacher just be like, yeah, so the study guide is your notes that you've taken over the whole, like, year. I'm like, that's not helpful at all. But this is, this is helpful. I, this is helpful. Um, and so he, he's given us the study guide to actually study, not to just, like, look at <laughs> and. I think for for me, like it's so important that we we actually study it and not just read it. Um, you know, actually dwell in it, as Paul is talking about in, in Colossians. I used to kind of think that because I was around Scripture all the time, it meant that I had enough. Like that was it. But I mean, that's clearly not. Um, according to Colossians three sixteen, like we need to let it dwell in us richly. Um, and and I also want to hear. It talks about um, like. The full verse is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that's kind of immediately relating to the singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it's almost as if Paul is saying, if we are letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, and we're really studying and meditating on the scripture, it'll better help our understanding and, and, and better ex to express our worship of God because we know who God is. We'll have a better understanding of, what, of who he is. And um, like, I, I think that's so true. I mean, just practically. I mean, how are you going to be able to like, worship when you have no idea who the God you're worshiping is? Like, how are you going like, to say, oh, we worship you because you love, if you, do, if you don't even know that he loves? Like, you haven't even read that in the Bible. Like, how, are you, how are you supposed to like, mean that? Um, and so, guys, like, I, I really want to, to challenge you all to, if you're not spending time in the Scripture, to spend time in the Scripture. And if you are spending time in the Scripture, make sure that time is, uh, you're dwelling in it. You know, you're not, just, uh, you're not just reading it. You're not just reading the words on the page and then calling it a day. You're not just checking it off your, your to-do list. Like, this is something that you're spending intentional time with God because He speaks to us through His Word. And that is definitely not something that's talked about enough. <laughs> I mean, I hear so many times, people, especially my age, just being like, God, I just really want God to speak to me. And I'm like, well, are you reading? No. That'll be it. <laughs> I think one of the main reasons is that God speaks to us is through his word. Um, and sometimes, you know, through prayer. But I think that the main thing that he does speak, us, speak to us through is, is his scripture. And there's just so much here to learn. Like, I... I mean, again, you can't just read the Bible once, <laughs> you know? Like, you can't just read the Bible once. You can read it 
uh, infinite amount of times, and I think each time you can get something different out of it. Like that's just the the beauty of the living, breathing word of, of God that we have. It's, it's just not like any other book. And like, I think we need to take advantage of that. Like, that's so cool. Like, we have the living, breathing word of God, and we're not even going to open it. We're not even going to read it. That's, yeah, wild. Um, I just want to challenge you guys to do that and, and really dwell, as Paul says, because I think you will see a, um, uh, an impact. You will see that, that play out in your, your everyday walk with Christ. Because um, I know I have. I, it's been a huge shift um, from focusing on me, 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 what I want to, God, what do you want? And it's still a struggle. It's not going to come easy, but it, it helps <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I definitely would not even be here uh, preaching if I was not you know, spending quality time and prioritizing God in my life. Because um, I don't know if you know this. I was a demon child. Do you remember what my dad said about the person throwing things out their window? That was me. I don't know if... That was me. Um, yeah, I had issues, but we're good now. Lord saves, and I'm here. So, amen, amen exactly. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so as we mentioned before, worshiping is not just these singing songs, but it's also in our actions. Um, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, stopping, and, and it's true. I think worship, a big part of that is, um, is singing and recognizing that, but I think another big part of it is through our actions. And that can be really awkward, I think, especially when it comes to evangelism. I think evangelism is uh, something that I have always struggled with because it requires me to get outside my comfort zone to initiate like a conversation that may not be pleasant. Um, and it, uh, it, it calls on me to, to trust in God, <laughs> which can be hard. And I think what uh, Chris said was so cool because it lines up perfectly. Um, we need to know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. Like That's our mission statement. So if we are to live Christ and make Christ known, especially, like, we need to evangelize. Like, something that I was um, at Cedarville, I took an evangelism class, and it really taught me that evangelism is a must. It's something that we must. It's not something that, you know, some are called to while others aren't. Like, we're all called to evangelize, and that could be, you know, on mission in, uh, in Papua New Guinea or in Poland. It could also just be to your neighbor across the street. Like, we all have to evangelize. It's not something that we can choose not to do. It's not just a calling for some people. It's a calling for all of us. Um, and so I kind of want to take a look at some people who, um, who, who didn't shy away, who weren't afraid of making things awkward and for sacrificing things in order to worship God. So I want to go to Genesis 39, 6 through 18, if you would. Um, and this is a pretty famous, famous passage. It is talking about Joseph and Potiphar's wife, which... As a kid, I felt like I wasn't allowed to read that passage at times. That, it's like a PG-13 passage in my eyes. All right. So it says, where, where is it? Okay. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, talking about a Potiphar. Uh, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. 
And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. And he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Um, I just want to quickly acknowledge what Joseph says in response. And uh, he says this in verse, in verse 9. Um, in response to, to, to asking, Potawa's wife asking um, her, him to lie with her. He says, He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Like that, just the the self control he has is is obviously something to talk about. But I think the perspective he has on it um, is all centered around God. Like he ends it with like, how can I sin against God? Like how can I do this against God? I think you know, um, as as Christians, when we prioritize God, I think it's easy to see when we sin against God, um, just the full, like, realization of that, and I think to to understand when we're being tempted, and to really, I don't know, just to be able to battle it, and to, as Joseph said, just be like, God, like, like how can I do this, how can I sin against God, like, when I'm being tempted, like, thinking to myself, God, how can I do this to you, like, how, how can I do this to you, um, Another thing that I want to point out is him leaving his garment. I don't know too much about um, the history of what Joseph would have been wearing or if he was wearing anything else. He could not have been. I kind of like to think that he wasn't. I kind of like to think that she like, grabbed his garment and he just kind of ran away naked into the distance, um, which I think adds to this point that Joseph was not afraid to, to be embarrassed to worship God. He was not be afraid to be embarrassed to obey God. Um, he was willing to, to literally run away naked in order to, to, you know, worship God and obey what God's commanded because he didn't want to sin against him. Um, as well as, um, as well as, let's see here. Lost my train of thought. That's okay. We'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a really big part um, because not only did he leave his garment and he was naked, he also lost his huge position of power. Um, which you find out later on, like he was willing to give up literally everything he had, like this nice job uh, that he worked so hard to get to, where he already like started at the very you know lowest of lows and has made his way all the way to almost the top, and and now he's he's going back. Um, he's willing to sacrifice that in order to worship God, and we see God bless him through that because later on we see that he becomes Pharaoh's right hand man, which is even crazier. Um, and so I think church, like as we need to take away from this that we need to be willing to get naked for God. Very figurative, figurative, let me point that out. Figuratively get naked. Um, in the sense that we, we, we can't be afraid to, to be embarrassed of what people might think. We can't be afraid if people are gonna talk behind our backs. Um, because they will eventually. And if we really want to, to worship God, they're gonna talk about our backs. And I'm just hoping that if they're gonna talk about it, they're gonna bring up this Jesus guy. Um, because at the very least, like, at least his name's gonna be getting out there and, and be known. And so I was really challenged by this and convicted to be like, God, like, I want, if people are going to talk bad about me, like, I want them to talk bad because of you. <laughs> I want them to see you and be like, wow, that's kind of weird. But also at the same time, like, what the heck? And then, like, search and, 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 and then find out who you really are. And 
um, I think when it comes to evangelism, like I get so, so worked up and afraid of what people are going to say. I'm so afraid of being rejected, of them saying, like, no, like, I don't want to talk to you, whatever. I think it's also important to know that, that we may not be called to actually, you know, be the person that brings them to Jesus. We may be called to just plant the seed, which is equally as important. You know, even just, like, offering to talk about Jesus and them saying no could then later on the, down the road being like, well, who is this Jesus guy? And then searching, and then that brings them to somebody else who brings them to Jesus. So I think that there's always this um, almost expectation that if we have a gospel conversation with a, Christ, with a non-believer, uh, we have to convert them then. Like we only get one shot and that's it. That's not necessarily true. Uh, I think that, that we can have an opportunity to plant a seed and that seed is very important. It doesn't mean that they get converted, but I think that there are gonna be opportunities and something that I um, learned while I was took my evangelism class at Cedarville was that there are so many opportunities throughout my life that I have just completely ignored and I gotta be looking. And let me tell you, if you pray for opportunities to share the gospel with someone, God will bring you those opportunities. And honestly, even if you don't pray, God will bring you those opportunities. You just have to be looking. Um, and so the next thing and the last story I wanna look at uh, today is with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they go by many names in my household. Um, we have the classic uh, Rackshack and Benny from VeggieTales, and then we also have my pop-up saying, uh, shake the bed, make the bed, to bed we go. I'm sure we've heard my dad said that before. Um, I think that's just great. I love that a lot. So we're going to look at that their story. Um, I'm going to start in a verse, uh, Daniel 3, chapter, or verse uh, 15, and we're going to kind of jump around. Um, so starting in verse 15, and this is after... Um, Nebuchadnezzar has told uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down to the idol multiple times. And this is kind of like his last offer to them. Um, starting in verse 15, it says, Know if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who deliver you, deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer to you in this matter. That's kind of sick. Like, it's pretty sick to just be like, yeah, no, we don't need to talk to you. You don't like anything. That's pretty awesome. Um, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love the trust that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have here in God. They know that they're going to be delivered. And I don't know if they knew that, it was, that God was going to save them per se, but I, I think that they, they knew that no matter what, like they could fully trust God because God has us all in his hands. And they could trust in the sovereignty of who God says he is. I think just, church, we need to do that. <laughs> like we need to trust that God is who he says he is. And if we're reading the Bible, well, we can better trust that because we better know who he is. And then going down to verse 22, says, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound to the fire furnace. I want to take a minute to look at verse 22 because I don't think this is something that's talked about enough. Um, so we see here that the, fire, the furnace was so hot that it killed the guards who were trying to throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which means that it would have killed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego like if God wasn't saving them, but it did, which means that God was, was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego even before they were in the furnace, which I don't know, is pretty cool because I took that as, okay, 
God is not just with us when we're in this fiery furnace of a trial. God is with us like on the way to that trial, like on the journey it takes to that trial. God has been with us. He doesn't just go away and then show up when we're in this trial. I think that is something that is not talked about enough um, because there can be so many times that I have been like worried and anxious about a specific thing and I'm like, God, like, I really hope that you show up here. God's like, dude, I've been showing up. <laughs> like, I've been with you. I've gotten you to this point. So just trust. And I it fall, like, into, I don't know. Like, it just, it, it, like, reading this, it bothers me that I don't trust God enough and, and haven't realized this sooner. But God is with me all the time. Like, again, it is not just when we go through the fiery furnace. It is before we're even in the furnace that God is with us. And... And so we keep reading on, verse 24, it says, And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fire furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Just, wow. <laughs> I, I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when I'm going through the fiery furnace. I want God to be so prevalent in my life that they, someone instantly knows, hey, like he's got God with them. Without me even knowing who God is, they see God in me. Like, I, like, mm, very convicting. Because <laughs> I, I don't go through trials well sometimes. I stress and I worry and I get anxious and sometimes I get mad of like, God, why am I in this trial? Like that's not, no one's going to see me go through a trial and be like, yeah, like he's got God. <laughs> if I'm like stressing and worrying, they'll see, they'll see God when I'm not stressing, when I'm not worrying, when I'm trusting. And so I really, I really want to challenge you guys to when you go through trials, like trusting God. If, if someone were to see you go through this trial, would they be able to see God? Would they be able to see Christ in your life? And all this to say, like, worship is going to be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable to the point to uh, where you are um, getting naked and losing your, your, your title of power. Um, it can be uncomfortable in the sense that you are literally burning up. <laughs> like, those, 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 it can be uncomfortable. And it's not going to be easy. I'm not here to tell you that it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Um, but what we've talked about in Colossians is if we let the message of Christ dwell in us, we have this peace of Christ and we're thankful, it'll become a lot easier to worship. Because we know the God that we're worshiping. We can trust in the God that we're worshiping. And guys, I think it can be so easy to see God when we're in the fiery furnace. It can be so easy to see God when he's with us in the, in the tough times. When we're really, really going through it. But I think we also need to focus on when God is with us before we even entered that furnace. We need to really remember that God has been with us before we even got, to, he got us to the point to where we're even about to be thrown into the furnace. Like he got Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to that point. Um, so I'm gonna ask the band to come up. And while they're coming up, I just wanna leave you with two main challenges from tonight, or from this morning. Um, the first is to use the study guide that God has given us. Use scripture, study it, and not just study it, dwell in it, as Paul says. Dwell in it, let it be a priority in your life. Meditate on it. Um, let it rule in your life, not just let it be something that, oh, well, this is kind of a place where I could apply it. Let it be the thing that you go to when you need help for something. When you need to talk to God and you need to hear from God, let the, the scripture be the thing you go to. 
Um, and the next challenge is, is I challenge you to, to get naked like Joseph, figuratively, again, I really want to hit that point figuratively, please. I don't want to say there's never going to be a point when you're going to have to get naked because I don't know what God has in store for you all. Um, so it may, may be that. But I, I think figuratively, I want to hit figuratively, get naked like Joseph. Be willing to, to, to embarrass yourself or to lose your position of power. Be willing to, to have people talk bad about you um, for Jesus. And, and also be, be willing to, to jump into that fiery furnace in order to glorify God. Because when we do that, when we, we, we follow what God has, and whether that's to the fire furnace, we see that he delivers us. And it may not be our, our, our version of delivering. It may not be what we have in mind when we talk about delivering. But he will, because um, he promises that. And um, just, God, church, what, are you, what, what does worshiping look like for you? You know, is it, is it getting naked and, and not being afraid to lose everything in order to glorify God? Is it jumping into the fiery furnace knowing that God's been with you the whole way? Or is it spending more quality time with God in the Bible, reading and studying it day and night? Guys, I really challenge you to, to really meditate on what God has because what he has for you is so much greater than you could ever imagine your life could turn out to be. And that's how I know I can have a confidence that even if my life doesn't look like what I want it to look like in five years, I have a confidence knowing that it's gonna look like what God wants it to look like in five years. And that's so much better than what I could ever imagine it could be. And that's so beautiful. And just what we're saying, like, look where we're standing now. We're standing on the chain breaker, miracle maker. And that's awesome. That should encourage us to be willing to, to embarrass ourselves, be willing to evangelize to people, be willing to get uncomfortable in order to worship him. Just, God, I pray. I pray that, that this, this church will be a church that rises up to the occasion, Lord that won't be, be afraid of embarrassing themselves for you, won't be afraid of, um, of evangelizing and, and sharing your word because of what people may say or think. I, I pray that we run towards your will for our lives. I pray that we run towards the uncomfortable situations, knowing that that's where you are, knowing that you have been there and you're gonna be there with us. God, I just pray that as, as they go throughout their lives um, after, after this morning, that they, they, think, they think and they, they pray and they meditate on your word. And, and they read and study and let it dwell in their lives and let it be prevalent. Let other people see you in our lives, Lord. Um, just pray that your spirit will be, will be evident and that we will exemplify who you are, Lord, in our lives. I know it can be hard, it can be difficult, but I pray that that's what we desire, that we prioritize you in our lives and not ourselves, and that we're truly focusing uh, our lives around you and not uh, you around our lives. Uh, just pray these things in your name, amen.